Watch the CN Tower on January 30th because it's going to turn orange and get on social media and be active. Visit our website at the Canadian Network for NTDs with lots of messages, um, uh, ways to get involved. Uh, depending if you're a student and young professional, every year we have an ambassador program that happens. So, you know, keep an eye out for that. There's a global movement, global youth movement for NTDs that's being coordinated from Uniting to Combat, um, which is really exciting and kind of looking at how to get young people involved in this space. This is the Public Health Insight Podcast. If you found out that there was a set of diseases that affected one in five people around the world and disproportionately affected those living in extreme poverty, maybe you would guess it was due to one of the big three communicable diseases such as HIV, malaria, and tuberculosis. Or maybe you would think it was a non-communicable disease like cancer. The reality is you may have not even heard of them because they are considered neglected. Neglected tropical diseases, otherwise known as NTDs, contribute significantly to the global burden of disease. As World NTD Day approaches on January 30th, it's time to have a conversation to raise awareness about these neglected tropical diseases. This is the Public Health Insight Podcast, where you'll hear informative conversations about the field of public health and global health, including education, careers, and most importantly, issues that matter the most to our local and global communities. My name is LaShawn, your host for this episode, and I'm here with co-host Linda, Gordon, and two special guests who will be introduced shortly. Before we move on, it is important to note that the views expressed in this podcast are our own and do not represent any of the organizations we work for or are affiliated with. Dr. Allison Krentel has been a researcher and consultant in public health since 1996, working in over 14 countries. Her research interests include facilitating community engagement, the use of implementation research to support health systems, and the translation of research results into programmatic action. She's an assistant professor in the School of Epidemiology and Public Health at the University of Ottawa and an investigator with Briere Research Institute. She is also the chair of the Canadian Network for Neglected Tropical Diseases. Manish Phillip is the director of international programs at Effect Hope Canada. Manish has been working in the field of neglected tropical diseases, maternal, newborn, and child health, nutrition, health systems policy and programs for over 15 years in Asia and Africa. He has experience working with diverse partners, including governments, United Nations agencies, international and national NGOs, research, and academic institutions. Manish has a Master of Science in Public Health from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, University of London, and is the current Vice Chair of the Canadian Network for Neglected Tropical Diseases. Please welcome to the podcast, Alison and Manish. Welcome, welcome. 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 Thanks Hello. for joining us. Thank you, LaShawn. Thank, Thank you, Linda. 1.7 billion people around the world are affected by neglected tropical diseases, otherwise known as NTDs. As this presents such a huge issue worldwide, it's good that we have experts to walk us through this. Allison, Manish, what are neglected tropical diseases? 
Well, my first reaction would be to say most of the names are not very easy to say. Thank <laughs> <laughs> uh, you. And uh, they're a collection of uh, 20 diseases and disease groups um, that have a singular commonality in the way that they impact uh, people around the world. So there are helminth infections, or which are worms, um, uh, viruses, um, uh, protozoa, different groups of、um, pathogens that impact people. Just to add to that is that these are diseases that you know disable and disfigure sometimes and can kill sometimes, and、uh, they are、uh, especially harmful for school-going children, adults, and、uh, and they are、uh, diseases of poverty as they are often called.、Mm-hmm. So they affect people who are living in poverty, and they keep people in the endless cycles of poverty.、Mm-hmm. And、just to add one thing, why we call them neglected?、Um, when HIV, AIDS, and TB and malaria, there was a big push with the Millennium Development Goals across those three diseases. This, these diseases just kind of got left out. <laughs> They got、mm-hmm. left out from the Millennium Development Goals. Um, and there's some、uh, research of、uh, Peter Hotez,、uh, who's at, in Baylor, calls NTDs the fourth leg of the table、uh, with HIV, TB, and malaria、um, because just of the sheer numbers and significance,、um, uh, significant impact that they have on people's lives. Right. I think you'd hardly find someone who says, you know, I've never heard of HIV, but with NTDs. People always say, "What are those? I've never heard of that." And、yeah. and even if you told someone, you know, actually, leprosy is a disease that still affects people today. I mean, most people are like, "What do you mean? That sounds like an ancient disease." And so it's、mm-hmm. neglected, you know, from like the health perspective. But there are people who are neglected too. Comparatively speaking, to like the big three that Lashawn mentioned, HIV, malaria, and. Was it tuberculosis. tuberculosis、yeah. um, it seems like, comparatively speaking, the 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 mortality rate is is lower.、Um, so that might be a part of the reason why it's referred to as neglected as well. Because we in 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 epidemiology we we focus a lot on the mortality rate and maybe less so on the quality of of life、um, indicators that、um, comes into play when we talk about morbidity. Absolutely, Gordon. That's that's very right.、Uh, we do focus a lot on. On the people who are dying, the mortality numbers, and、uh, we forget that people are actually dying every day from these diseases. They may not be actually dying as a, as a statistic,、mm-hmm. but people living in disability, in people living with stigma and discrimination and isolation, are dying a small death every day. And that's why it is、um, you know so difficult to see some of some of the people who are affected. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things we're trying we're trying to understand more, and we're we're、um, there's increasing、um, amount of research and evidence is around the mental health burden, because all of those things that Manish、mm-hmm. just mentioned, you know, stigma and isolation,、uh, they're、mm-hmm. they're significant mental health uh, issues um, that the that people face um, uh, as they live with with this kind of disability for years and years. And if you really talk about statistics, you talk about you know Dali's entities、mm-hmm. are have much higher you know disability、uh, adjusted life years than than the big three、uh, if you talk about it. And if you look at over a lifetime,、um, also we look at、um, you know the country's productivity 
itself it has a huge impact with with having a high burden of entities right and yeah as you mentioned there it seems to be a lot of consequences associated with this huge burden of ntds what's interesting to me is you know we're talking about a group of um 20 diseases or disease groups and of course with that there's probably different um methods of you know causes and transmissions associated with these diseases based on your experiences with working on some of these ntds um, maybe you can give us an example of some of the different causes or transmission pathways that go on just to give the audience an example of what what's actually going on i did, i have actually of all 20 you know um we work in ntds but i couldn't give you transmission routes for all 20 uh i would confess to that um but uh for example for for some of them there's a like lymphatic filariasis uh, mosquitoes um mm-hmm. transmit the infection so in some parts of the world it's the same mosquito that transmits malaria um so a lot of the same risk factors for malaria you'd see for lymphatic filariasis um for uh, schistosomiasis uh which is also called um bilharzia um it has to do with contact with uh with in uh fresh water bodies where there are snails infected snails um so you can imagine a person who goes down to the river to fetch water or to wash their clothes or their bicycle um can be infected uh, very easily um and and uh repeatedly over the course of of their um of their lifetime so um that's just two uh um and there are others that i'm sure Manish maybe can talk of a couple as well we won't go through all 20 <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then there's there's the worms Mm-hmm. um that that cause uh, a joint disease that we call soil transmitted helminths uh which are basically intestinal worms and uh these affect uh, a lot of people in in every continent and very interesting that you would probably not even realize or uh, even think of that there are uh, entities which we don't even know how they transmit right mm-hmm. leprosy one of the oldest diseases that we that we've known uh we don't know how it transmits mm-hmm. there's borrelia ulcer as well we mm-hmm. are not 100% sure how it is transmitted it is believed that it is transmitted through contaminated water um but these two diseases are are ones which are still um you know not known to us Mm-hmm. So it almost sounds too like when we say the word neglected, we're talking about even neglected for resources in terms of research and funding. And then in turn, we don't have answers to some of these like you mentioned these diseases have been around for a while and we still something as basic as transmission which is like the first thing to understanding a disease pathway, we still don't have the answers to those. So I think it's neglected in that sense as well. Mm-hmm. And some uh guinea worm is one we're very very close to um eradication. So uh you know some of them there's been uh incredible progress despite the the lack of you know despite the lack of resources. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, those as we get to the last mile of some of these diseases we need more resources and to actually get there and uh and that's where the challenge is sometimes it's at the front end you know understanding the transmission and the the research there there's all the middle parts about the control that we need to happen and then as we get to the end you know are we able to really commit the resources that are that are necessary to really end the um the burden of some of these diseases or reduce them. And you know, all this discussion about these different 
you know, these 20 NTDs. And if I'm speaking from my personal experience with, um, you know, learning about neglected tropical diseases, I, and like Allison kind of alluded to this at the very beginning, like some of these names are very difficult to pronounce and I'm not sure if a lot of people are aware of them, but um, just to give some context, there are some diseases on this uh, list that people may be more familiar with, whether it's rabies and leprosies like Manish um, mentioned or Lushmaniasis. So there are, it's a very vast list and there's a lot um, of different disease and disease types in there. Um, I wanted to kind of shift gears and talk about the geographic disparities and distribution of these neglected tropical disease. So worldwide, around 149 different countries and territories are affected by at least one neglected tropical diseases. And so maybe you two can talk about um, the distribution of these neglected tropical diseases. So I can speak from um, I can speak from the perspective of uh, of lymphatic filariasis, which is uh, the disease that I that I work in um, the most, uh, which is. Uh, um, when you have a long-term infection with lymphatic filariasis, uh, you get lymphedema and elephantiasis of the leg. And so these sort of uh, uh, images that you see sometimes with people with very large legs, that would be caused, and one of the causes is lymphatic filariasis. And um, we see that disease, it was in the Americas um, quite significantly now. Um, it's almost completely gone from the Americas in Latin America, mm -hmm. the Guyana and Haiti. Um, a few countries still have infection there and then we look it's across uh, many african countries a few countries have uh, are in the early stages of getting their elimination certified uh, mm -hmm. which is wonderful um, and then we see uh, big huge burden countries like india and indonesia um, are two of the largest well they do represent the the highest burden uh, globally for lymphatic filariasis um, so for that particular disease if I think of a map of the world, I can go from, from Guyana all the way to Papua New Guinea and some of the Pacific islands like Fiji, uh, you know, can just really span the globe. Um, so so uh, uh, um, what we see with that one and also soil transmitted helmets or intestinal worms uh, is just in so many countries um, around the world. Is this something we should only think lies in these countries that you mentioned, like low and middle income countries or um, areas that are tied to poverty? Or is this something that, you know, even in North America, for example, where we're located, are there some neglected tropical diseases here? Well, scabies, scabies in downtown Ottawa in the homeless population, you'll find mm -hmm. scabies. Um, so we do actually have, um, uh, you know, even in Canada, um, uh, we can see neglected tropical diseases. And one disease we haven't talked very much about is Chagas mm -hmm. disease, um, which is transmitted by a, a bug called the kissing bug. <laughs> and uh, a, a woman can actually um, pass that disease on to her child, uh, her mm -hmm. fetus. And so um, you, we can see in people who immigrate, you know, from Latin America, uh, from endemic regions there who might immigrate to Canada and years later um, uh, uh, pass the infection on to their child. So, yeah, we are not, um, I would say probably no country in the world is immune from, uh, from neglected tropical diseases. Interestingly, um, so like Manish earlier had mentioned, these are diseases of poverty. And 
Um, I found in my work in Calgary amongst vulnerable communities here, um, specifically like refugee and newcomer communities, NTDs came up there as well. And I personally was surprised because um, though I knew it was a global issue, I didn't expect to see um, NTDs come up in, in refugee health, but it did. And so many newcomers are impacted by things like um, helminths and schistosomiasis. So I think that's like an even bigger incentive that it's a global issue. So like wherever there's poverty, we will see NTDs. So it's more incentive for us to try to really eradicate them. Yeah, and I guess um, shifting gears a bit, um, we, we kind of talked about, you know, the causes. We talked a bit about neglected tropical disease. And now from putting my public health lens and cap on, I want to really talk about what what are the the susceptible populations associated with neglected tropical diseases? Um, you know, yeah, I'm sure that you may um, have a lot of experience with, um, you know, focusing on specific groups as we um, get to that last mile or that last stretch of elimination. So what kind of groups are we focusing on there? So, yeah, that's an interesting question, LaShawn. We know that these are diseases of poverty, but we know when people are living in poverty, they have very scarce resources. And... Uh, when they have scare resources, they are focusing on, um, you know, things that are extremely important to them, things like food and shelter. And uh, we know that often health uh, comes after. Um, within a household, we know that, uh, you know, men and boys get preferential treatment. And so we know that, you know, with these diseases, who suffer more are women and children. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, it's it's a matter of choice uh, when it comes to scarce resources, right? So we we can see like over a period of time, even with with COVID nineteen, we will know that you know, in terms of health seeking behavior, that women and children are going to be left behind. You know, when you think about so many of these diseases, have um, when you're living in in um, areas where water and sanitation is not adequate and not sufficient. So, um, you know, you don't have access to running water. You don't have um, um, uh, access to uh, good hygiene, um, sanitation and hygiene. And so uh, we also see those uh, populations living at higher risk. And then if they do become infected, like with lymphatic filariasis, it's difficult uh, to have the, you know, to keep uh, your leg clean, for example. Um, mm. And I, I, I just, the, the a story that comes to mind, I was in a clinic in India doing, um, we were doing a study and a farmer walked he heard that we were talking about lymphatic filariasis and he walked to come and see me. And this gentleman walked with his uh, leg with lymphedema, you know, quite uh, quite bad lymphedema, uh, and, and came to me and said, you know, can you help me? And I said, well, no, I can't. I can't help you. You know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not, even if I were, I'm not licensed to practice in India. Um, you know, and I talked to him about, I said, well, if you can keep your leg clean and that will help you to you know, keep the, keep your, the swelling down and keep you from getting, uh, secondary infections. And he looked at me and he said, I'm a farmer. <laughs> I can't, I can't yeah. wear shoes. I can't keep my leg clean. I'm in the dirt all day long farming, you know, and it was sort of like this, it's always a wake up call. You know, we can sit there and say, oh, well, you just need to keep your leg clean. 
-hmm. or your eyes clean from trachoma. Uh, but if you don't have clean water, uh, access to clean water, um, that's, that's a very difficult public health message to pass um, mm -hmm. to a lot of people living in the world. So we touched on briefly some of the gender differences and how you know women and children are disproportionately affected by NTDs. And I wonder if you could speak a little bit more about some of those gender differences in terms of exposure or even severity of NTD infection. For example, I wonder if some household tasks might present a higher risk of exposure, for example, like more domestic duties. You had said, for an example, Allison, um, contaminated water is a risk. Uh, I wonder if you could speak if you've noticed anything like that in your research. So one, yeah, one of that's the one that comes to mind right now is um, schistosomiasis, and um, you know, women often are tasked with fetching water and washing clothes and washing their um, you know dishes and things in the water, and the kids go down to the river with them, and of course they risk uh, infection uh, with schistosomiasis. Mm -hmm. um, what we understand is if there's infection with one particular kind of schistosomiasis, uh, there's, uh, which is called hematobium, uh, if you want to get scientific, <laughs> um, it, it, if, it's, if it's left untreated, uh, it can cause a condition called female genital schistosomiasis. Mm -hmm. um, and that disease manifests um, in what looks like sexually transmitted infections. It manifests like infertility. Um, it looks like something that it isn't. And so uh, what you see, and, and there's very little evidence how many women actually have FGS, women and girls. Um, some of the estimations are around 40 million women and girls living in um, Sub-Saharan Africa have F are living with FGS. Uh, it's a condition that has really just not been researched or understood at all. But what you have in practical terms is a young girl and uh, one, a woman a researcher from Ghana, we work very closely with uh, Professor Margaret Jaipong. She was involved in some research in this. Uh, you know, they did some in-depth interviews and, and a young adolescent girl talked about the symptoms that she had and she went to the clinic and the, you know, the, the midwife or nurse or whoever she met with accused her of uh, being sexually promiscuous because the symptoms she had looked like a sexually transmitted infection. And this young girl sort of said, no, I, I, I'm not sexually active. I, this is what's wrong with me. And eventually, you know, she gets treatment for schistosomiasis. So it's a condition that is being mis misdiagnosed um, and mistreated. Um, uh, and we're just scratching the surface um, to understand how that's really impacting women and, and adolescent girls um, uh, in sub-Saharan sub Africa. I imagine that could also lead to a lot of stigma as well, and people may not want to even seek treatment out of fear of reactions like the one you just described. Or infertility, you know, infer like having children is such an important part of your identity in so many countries. Um, and there are lots of traditional beliefs around women who can't have children. Uh, and so um, when you have a, a disease that's caused by a parasite, just because you simply were doing your job of washing mm -hmm. your dishes or whatever, um, uh, and there's treatment, we have treatment to deal with this. You know, that's the, that's the amazing thing with these diseases is there's, 
there's a lot of tools at our disposal that we can use um, to, to actually reduce the burden. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, um, you know, we're talking about these neglected tropical diseases. What are some of the, I guess, prevention strategies we can incorporate or maybe even some of the treatment regimes that are implemented to kind of get, get, get this under control? Two main ways we, we treat or prevent uh, uh, neglected tropical diseases. Uh, some of these are quite simple. Um, one strategy is called um, uh, MDA or Mass Drug Administration. And uh, this is basically providing drugs for preventing um, some of the diseases like uh, SDH, intestinal worms, um, schistosomiasis, lymphatic pleurisis, and trachoma. And they can be easily prevented by, by having uh, you know, medication once a year or depending on the level, twice a year. Um, then there is another strategy called Intensive Disease Management or IDM. And these are basically diseases like leprosy or uh, lymphatic fluoriasis, hydrocelin, and uh, elephantiasis, as uh, um, Alison mentioned, which can be managed uh, through um, intensive you know, activity. And uh, these are two, two main ways we can treat and prevent them. But in addition to that, there's also uh, you know prevention through uh, some wash strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, like in in case of trachoma, there's a, something called a safe strategy. There's surgery, antibiotics, uh, facial cleanliness, and, and just keeping your environment clean. And then uh, these can be applied for uh, for preventing cases of uh, leprosy, trachoma, and others. You need clean water. Uh, so again, uh, a wash strategy that uh, can be applied there. Some of these infections like SDH and and schisto. Uh, or uh, tiniasis, uh, uh, leishmaniasis can be uh, prevented with good uh, sanitation and hygiene practices. Uh, and of course, the vector-borne disease is just like malaria. You treat mm-hmm. the environment and uh, and make sure that you have uh, clean water uh, in your environment uh, and treat the, you know the, some of those breeding sites. Uh, these can be prevented easily. Right, and, and that's that's really interesting that you bring up that point, and you're talking about malaria, and that just it makes me think. It's like we have these neglected tropical diseases, we have malaria. Is there a lot of synergy going on within this space? Because it seems to me that these vectors that you're mentioning, um, they're common to both of the certain diseases in the NTD space and in uh, like malaria, for example. So, do you notice that synergy um, in practicality to kind of work together? to reduce the overall burden of different diseases? It's a great question. Uh, It depends on the kind of mosquito. So for lymphatic filariasis, some mosquitoes are not the same ones that transmit malaria, and some are. In those areas where you do see an overlap, so in some of the work we've done in Papua New Guinea, we expected to see much higher rates of infection with lymphatic filariasis than we did. And we think that maybe it's because there were high rates of bed net use in those areas. And so Mm -hmm. when you do have really good bed net um, compliance and people are using them every night, it can have an impact on on lymphatic filariasis for sure. Um, You know, dengue fever is an NTD. If you clean your environment up, you know, you can reduce the, um, that, that uh, vector, uh, the mosquito vector um, breeding around your house. So I think there is some, 
And I think increasingly with the with the NTDs, we see more integration across, you know, mm-hmm. so that, um, you know, where can we deliver um, treatment against lymphatic filariasis, uh, uh, soil transmitted helminths and um, scabies, for example, with a new treatment uh, f- uh, called IDA. Um, Synergies with other campaigns, it's very country dependent. It really depends on on the programs, um, on how they communicate together, the timing and mm-hmm. of, of their activities, their synergy of their budgets. Uh, there's a lot of factors that um, have to fall into place for, for uh, NTDs to collaborate with other sectors. But um, I think that we're moving in that direction and that's definitely what the WHO uh, NTD roadmap that's just going to be launched this week. It's one of the things that it really calls for is increased integration and synergy across different sectors. So I think there'll be a real move uh, over the next decade towards uh, increased integration across different sectors. And just in addition to that, I work in more on the disease side of uh, you know intensive disease management. As I said, there are you know diseases that are uh, maybe diseases that which have skin manifestations like leprosy lymphatic mm-hmm. fluorises, yours, uh, buruli ulcer. What we've done in some of our program is we've we've combined them together and and uh, developed plans for them, um, looking at synergies of, uh, for example, lymphatic fluorises and leprosy. Uh, have some common things like keeping your your feet, you know, uh, clean. Um, some of the the self care that. Uh, people need to do are, are similar and so we've brought people together even in in self-care groups where they can sit and practice them together um, at uh, at a health facility learn that and then go back home and practice it practice it either together in in their you know small self-care group or or individually with within their household Awesome. The, those are some key points that you both raise about um, prevention and treatment. But I wanted to touch briefly on maybe some of those unintended consequences for um, some of the, for some of the prevention and treatment, in particular, mostly the MDA, the Mass Drug Administration. I was reading that, um, if my understanding is correct, um, it it the point of Mass Drug Administration is because you avoid that cost of needing to diagnose and then treat someone mm-hmm. and then give them giving them the medication. So we're potentially giving the medication to people who may not be infected with the disease. So uh, when we're talking about things like emerging drug-resistant infections and stuff like that, what where does that fall? Is that something that we're concerned about? Is that something where we you know we have evidence for? Or there there needs to be more research done on. I don't know if any of you could speak to that. Yeah, this is a great question. I, I posed this uh, question uh, t- to a colleague, a senior colleague, not uh, within the last little while, asking that. Actually, to date, we don't have evidence of drug resistance. Um, the drugs that are used are um, very safe. A lot of them have been around for a really long time. Uh, and. Um, so we don't see uh, we don't see levels of resistance um, for the the drugs that are used for mass drug administration, and they are the WHO does monitor that. Um, you know, these are uh, I think one thing we haven't touched on is these are 
donated treatments from the pharmaceutical industry. So for, for most of the um, preventive, what we call preventive chemotherapy drugs that we use for mass drug administration are donated, uh, which is extraordinary. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. You know, it's one of the, the largest, I think if it is the largest uh, public-private partnership ever. You know, when you consider that 1.7 billion uh, people, you know, live in areas where they they could receive uh, potentially a master administration. So, just the sheer numbers of tablets that um, that go out every year, and also. You know, some of these drugs have huge public health benefits. Um, so even if, for example, ivermectin that we give for lymphatic filariasis, um, uh, uh, when we use it, um, it also treats lice and scabies. And so you may not have LF, <laughs> but uh, uh, you have the other public health benefits um, uh, to that treatment. So, um, so they, they, yeah, it's a good question though. Mm -hmm. And it, it seems too that many of the drugs used don't require like a long-term regimen, like something like TB, people are on it for, you know, nine months to, to 12 months. So I guess the non-adherence factor is not as much of an issue when there's like a single dose or, you know, it's a short treatment regimen for... for uh, <laughs> <laughs> Why is LaShawn, are you laughing? Allison has an answer for this, I'm sure. <laughs> That's like the last 10 years of my research career. <laughs> How much time do you have, Gordon? I'm an I'm a I'm an antimicrobial resistance person, so that's that's. So I mean, it's a great oh gosh, it's a great question, and it's something I'm really interested in. Is you know how do you get? And I often use this example. Um, you know, if somebody knocked on my door tonight in Ottawa, and Lashawn's heard me say this before, but you know, someone knocks on my door tonight and says, "Hey, uh, there's this disease uh, around, and here's you know a packet of pills." your whole family has to take it and oh by the way you might feel a little bit sick or nauseous or get fever you know if you're infected but that's good and i would be like okay <laughs> you know how much information do i have about this uh have i heard about this in my community you know who's the person who's bringing me the drugs have i ever seen this person before do they have a badge like are they believable um, and so when you kind of translate that experience and I kind of laugh and say, well, if we tried to do that in Ottawa, probably a lot of people wouldn't take it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, with the distribution of these drugs really depend on the health system and how, how strong the health system is and how strong the network of volunteers are that we use to distribute these drugs, how well they're supported. Um, and if the system works really well, you should have somebody who comes to your door who explains to you you know what this treatment is and why you need to take it and why we all have to take it even if you don't feel sick and this is where you go if you don't feel well and if that whole system is in place then the community member will swallow the drug in front of the volunteer and uh, we don't have to worry about non-adherence um, but unfortunately the you know the world isn't perfect <laughs> so uh, you know we do have uh, places where people take the drugs and put them on the shelf and forget about them or, uh, you know, maybe take half of them. <laughs> <laughs> you just heard from Allison and Manish, two experts who are passionate about addressing the global burden of neglected tropical diseases. NTDs often take a backseat to the traditional big three communicable diseases, but a compelling argument has been made to consider them the fourth leg of the table to better achieve synergies across the broader context. The World Health Organization's Roadmap for Neglected Tropical Diseases 
2021-2030 highlights the need for stronger accountability, intensified cross-cutting approaches, and a change in operating model and culture. As World NTD Day approaches on January 30th, 2021, the conversation must continue. Join us in the next episode as Alison and Manish continue to share their experiences as leaders in the field and more about how to get involved in the fight against NTDs. If you would like to learn more about NTD initiatives led by the Canadian Network for Neglected Tropical Diseases and Effect Hope, visit their websites by accessing the links in our episode descriptions. My name is LaShawn, your host for this episode. See you in the next one. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for informative conversations, inspiring community action. If you enjoy our content and would like to stay up to date, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. To learn more about our community initiatives and how you can support us, visit our website at thepublichealthinsight.com. Join the PHI community and let's make public health viral.